Every business owner knows that growth, though desired, brings its own set of problems. Rapid growth reveals problems deep in the organization related to people, processes, and priorities. What's true in business is also true in the church. The early church grew rapidly, but then a problem arose among the Greek widows that threatened the apostles' focus on their real priorities of prayer and the preaching of God's word. To serve or not to serve the widows. The apostles put first things first by delegating the responsibility for serving widows to seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. We know them as the first deacons. Are you helping your pastor put first things first? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Hello and welcome to this Monday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. Well, when we read the book of Acts, we see that the early church faced several challenges from without. Political leaders, religious leaders, anyone opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The persecution began almost immediately and grew worse over time. But today, Ron takes us to a different kind of problem, one the church faced from within as he continues his teaching series, A.D. Acts of the Apostles. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, check out Something Good Television, Something Good Courses, Something Good Travel, and the new Something Good Digital Library, where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. From Acts chapter 6, here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message, putting first things first. Problem solving is something that every leader has to learn how to do well, because problems arise in any organization, uh, whether it's a, a business in the marketplace or in the military, um, even in a ministry setting, the, the leader or leaders in those organizations need to know how to problem solve and to even expect uh, problems to arise and to know how to get after those problems in a way that uh, moves uh, the organization in a positive direction. Um, with that in mind, we shouldn't be surprised as we're studying through the book of Acts, that a problem arises in Acts chapter 6. And let me just summarize where we've been so far in our study of the early church, and I'll, I'll say it again. Um, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and Peter preaches his first sermon. 3,000 people come to know Jesus on that, that birthday of the church. Two chapters later, he preaches his second sermon. 5,000 more are added. Uh, that's just the men. They add to that the women and children, and, and what you have is a, uh, an early church that is explosive in growth. And uh, with that growth uh, in the early church, as in um, your business or in any organization, what we learn is that problems do arise, and, and we learn a very important principle in any organizational leadership or dynamic, and that is that growth brings its own set of problems, doesn't it? You may know this as a business leader. Maybe you know it as a military leader. 
Um, perhaps you know it as a ministry leader. Growth brings its own set of problems. And this was true in the early church. Let me read Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7, so we have a context for our discussion today. It says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full numbers of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Uh, these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And now verse 7, and the Word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Again, the, the early church was exploding in growth. And uh, growth presents its own set of problems, and a problem arose in the early church. Let me try to explain what was happening. At this time in the early church, it, it was a Jewish thing, and it was a Jerusalem thing. We don't get to the Gentile expansion of the church until Acts chapter 10. Right now, it is uh, a combination of, of Hebrew-speaking Jews, and what we learn from the text here, there was also a group of Greek-speaking Jews okay? The Hellenists are known as the Greek-speaking Jews, and a complaint arose in the early church uh, coming from the Hellenists that the Hellenist or Greek-speaking Jewish widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now, 2,000 years ago, some of the poorest people in society were widows because the law did not allow when a husband died for the transfer of assets to his wife. And so that's just the way it was in this culture 2,000 years ago. And so a widow in this culture became one of the poorest and most dependent people. And the early church and the apostles had, had some kind of means to address those needs. Uh, they called it the daily distribution. It was a food distribution to widows, and, and it was given to the Hebrew-speaking Jewish widows. But somebody noticed that the Greek-speaking Jewish widows uh, were being neglected, and they brought the complaint uh, to the early apostles. Now, notice it was, a, it was a complaint, and complaints arise all the time in any organization. Um, if I had a dollar for every complaint that has come to me over the years and two and a half decades of ministry, I'd probably be a wealthy man. Um, we don't have a complaint department in the church. Uh, a complaint department is usually an invitation to receive a complaint without a solution, right? That's how a lot of complaints come. And this is how this complaint came. Uh, not all complaints are illegitimate complaints. Some complaints are very legitimate that were maybe resulted from an oversight in the administration and organization, and that was the case here. Uh, the apostles didn't intend to neglect the Greek-speaking uh, Jewish widows, but that was what had happened. And somebody brought that complaint, which was an indication of dis discontent and dissatisfaction somewhere in the body of Christ there. They brought this to, 
to the attention of the apostles. Again, it shouldn't surprise us. It's not a cause for alarm. Um, if handled properly, it shouldn't stop uh, the growth and, and the uh, forward progress of the gospel. But it is a reminder to us that in any organization, in, in a business, in the military, uh, in uh, a ministry setting, uh, even in your own home, complaints arise, problems arise. And every leader needs to know how to address those complaints and address those problems. I, I jotted down this week, you know, three different categories where uh, the, the, the problem might be. It may be a people problem or a processes problem, or it could be a problem related to our priorities. And every time we have a problem or a complaint that arises in the church, we need to determine the legitimacy of it, and we also then they need to look, is it a people problem? Do we have the right leaders in place? You know, the old adage, do you have the right people on the bus and are they sitting in the right seats on the bus? Uh, is it a processes problem? Do we have an administration or organizational issue that we need to address? Something that might have worked when we were um, this size organization but isn't working as we've grown and expanded. Uh, so we look at processes. Uh, maybe our priorities are out of whack in some way. Uh, this gives us an opportunity to identify primary and secondary tasks, to ask the question, what is most important and what cannot and must not be sacrificed? What is our mission? What is our vision? What is our strategy? And, and are, we, are we pinpointing that in, in a very efficient kind of way? All these kinds of organizational questions come up to a leader or a group of leaders when a complaint or a problem arises. Now, I hear some people from time to time that say, I love God and I love Jesus, but I don't want to be, you know, I, I don't get into that organized religion thing. And I kind of jokingly say, well, would you rather have disorganized religion? Uh, and and I, I don't mean that in a, in a provocative way, but um, uh, the God we serve is a God of order. And the body of Christ is a living organism, right? We're a living organism, the body of Christ. But every living organism, whether it's a single cell or a complex organism, is miraculously organized by our Creator, right? You can look under a microscope and see a single cell, a living organism. That biology, the anatomy, the physiology is highly, highly organized. And so every organism, including the body of Christ, needs organization. And when problems arise, when complaints arise, we need to look inside the organization in terms of people, processes, and even priorities and, and introduce some positive changes that help us get down the road. Even to look at, hey, is there some of the status quo we need to do away with so we can move forward in a positive way because, well, the ministry has changed or the organization has changed. All of these kinds of things uh, leaders in ministry, in business, in the military, even dad, as a leader in your home, you have to address complaints and problems that arise. Now, how do we do that? Well, as, as I read this simple text, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7, I, I just jotted down a seven-step problem-solving strategy for what it's worth. And we're going to learn from the apostles how they went after this. And let me say this on the front end because I'm, I'm going to give you this on the back end. I'm going to tell you why it is absolutely critical we get this right in the church. 
I'll give you the reason why at the end. But for now, step number one to problem solving and prioritizing in the church, I call identification. Up next, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Putting First Things First. If you're a first-time listener to Something Good Radio, we'd like to send you a free chapter of Ron's most popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. It's our way of saying thanks for being part of our radio listening family. Stop by our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org, and click the I'm New icon at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, share your prayer requests with us by clicking on Explore at the top of the homepage, then scrolling down to the How Can We Pray For You option. Our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer, so contact us anytime. Problem solving is an essential skill for any church leader. It also comes in handy in marriage, in business, and in our personal relationships. For a healthy way to solve problems, let's join Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, putting first things first. You have to identify the problem, clearly identify the problem in any organization, ministry, marketplace, military, wherever you are in leadership. The complaint comes, the problem arises. In this case, it was a legitimate complaint, the neglect of the Greek-speaking Jewish widows. But you have to clearly identify the problem. You'll never be able to solve a problem you cannot clearly identify. It was easy to identify the problem here, and verse 1 tells us about the neglect in the daily distribution. But anytime you're trying to solve a problem, it's always a good time to say, have we clearly identified the problem? Or is there something underneath all of this? Is there, is there something that is disguising, maybe a peripheral issue that is disguising what the real issue is? You know, when you're trying to solve problems in a marriage and you're doing marriage counseling, <laughs> uh, the, the, the problem that you're dealing with is not always the real problem. And a skilled marriage counselor is going to dive in a little bit deeper into both the husband and the wife to discover what the real problem is. And here's where you need to take some time. Don't rush through the first step. Uh, don't rush through the first step. Clearly identify the problem. It's a good time to do an agenda check, too. You know, if you're a leader in an organization and a problem arises, a complaint arises, is there anybody in and around that problem or complaint that has a personal agenda, hidden or not? And it's a good time to just press the pause button and ask the question, have we clearly identified the problem? Are there any agendas here that we need to deal with uh, before we go on to presenting solutions? So step number one is identification. Step number two uh, is clarification. Identifying the real problem is going to lead to a clarification of roles and responsibilities within the organization. And this is what happens in Acts chapter 6. Look at it in verse 2. It says, and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, uh, let me stop right there. Notice what's happening here. The twelve, who are the apostles, summon the full number of disciples. I take that to mean they got the entire church together, thousands of them into one place to deal with the problem, all right? There was something at stake here, and they needed to handle this problem 
you know, correctly. So they get everybody together in one place, and they said, all right, we see the problem. We're going to stop doing everything we're doing as apostles, and we're going to go over here and serve tables. Is that what they say? Not at all. Here's what the apostles said. It is not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. And verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. I, I, I take this to be the apostles coming to that moment of clarification. We have a problem over here. We have a complaint. It's a legitimate one that we need to address. But it's not one that we, we should drop everything that we're doing. In this case, the time that we take to devote to prayer and to the ministry of the Word to go over here and serve in the food distribution. It was a clarification of their roles and responsibilities. It was the apostles putting first things first in terms of what they were to do as leaders in the church. I remember years ago, one of the first churches I served, this goes back 15, 20 years ago, I arrived and uh, that week the chairman of the deacons called me and he says, hey, I want to take you to lunch, pastor, and welcome you to town and all that. I said, great. We went to lunch and uh, no sooner did we sit down that I, I kind of sensed there was a little bit of an agenda. He says, uh, pastor, he says, I'm going to pay for your lunch today, but uh, don't get used to it. This is the last time I'll probably ever pay for your lunch. I thought, Okay. Um, I said, well, thank you. I didn't expect you to pay today, but thank you for doing that, and um, I appreciate your generosity. And, and he went on to take out a list, a very long list, of what he thought my job was and began to tell me, you know, I expect you to do this and this and this. A lot of things that he was doing as a chairman of the deacons, now, boom, it's on you, pastor. And we had a very interesting conversation about my job description, my biblical job description. I took him to Acts chapter 6. And we also went to Ephesians chapter 4, where it talks about how God gives the church, you know, uh, prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to do all the work of the ministry. Is that what it says? No, it says for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And I learned a long time ago, my job as a lead pastor is I, I'm kind of a player coach, all right? And I have certain roles and responsibilities that are primary to me and to what we do as a church, but my job also is to equip and to train and to mobilize the saints for the work of ministry. One person can't do it all, and you can't hire enough pastors to do it all. And thankfully, you know, we, we get that here because we have hundreds and hundreds of volunteers that we are equipping and training and mobilizing into ministry. Well, my chairman of the deacon friend years ago didn't quite understand that, and he kind of you know, ruffled himself toward the end of the uh, uh, lunch, and he just says, well, okay, but uh, we all know that it'll just take some time for you to become the pastor we all want you to be. Woo, okay, duly noted, and uh, we went from there. But it was a clarification, a time for clarification in roles and uh, responsibilities. Third step is delegation. Once you've identified the problem and you've clarified roles and responsibilities, now as a leader you need to employ the fine art of delegation. 
Look at how it falls out in chapter uh, 6 and verse 3. The apostles say, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. You know, the apostles could have looked at this and said, well, we're going to do the job of seven men. Maybe the leader, maybe Peter said, okay, I I get the problem. I'm going to drop all of this, and he tries to do the job of seven men, or he could get seven men to do the job. (laughs) And every leader has to come to that crossroads in his leadership. Are you going to learn the fine art of delegation and raising up other leaders, or are you going to try to do the job of seven people and flame out somewhere along the way? You know, Moses had to learn this in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 18 is, is, is a, uh, a case study in the fine art of delegation. Thanks for being with us for Ron's message, Putting First Things First. And if you missed part of today's teaching, or if you'd like to hear it again, visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. None of us can accomplish God's will without a little help. Today, with your help, Something Good Radio will keep reaching people with the gospel through our media ministry. And when you partner with us, we'll send you a free copy of Ron Jones' full-length book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. To join the 828 Club today, please visit our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org, and use the Partners tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org, or call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'd love for you to have the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, A.D. Acts of the Apostles. That's A.D. Acts of the Apostles. It's our gift to you by request for your gift to Something Good Radio. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. And you can also call our offices, 757-276-1099. God loves to do new things, doesn't he? Uh, You know, don't get too settled into this world because as I read the Bible, in the last book of the Bible, 
There's coming a new heaven, a new earth, and a new holy city, Jerusalem. God loves to do new things. Behold, I have done something new, or I am doing something new, he says in the Old Testament. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, all things are becoming new. You're not an improved version of yourself, you're a brand new creation in Christ. And God loves to do new things. And when problems arise in the church, when a complaint comes, if handled properly, it's an opportunity for God to show up and do something new and to expand the gospel. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, putting first things first. Join us then for something good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.